Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Just the Fat Man this time again for some reason. Talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Again. More. Hopefully, possibly the last time. We're at striking distance of the end, so there's a possibility we could make it. It's possible. I believe last we left you. We were in the car with Cameron as he was freaking the bleep out. Where we last left off, Cameron and Ferris both noticed that the aforementioned car, the amazing looking Ferrari, had been driven more than when they had left it in the carrying hands of the European fella at the garage who they had to ask if he spoke English. <laughs> yes. The European <laughs> fellow who definitely spoke English. <laughs> Cameron's got this just shocked look on his face, and he doesn't really, he's just almost catatonic, basically, and Sloan is looking back and going, and going, dude, you're all right? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and Cameron is very much not all right. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to the Bueller house. The doorbell rings. Jeannie crawls out from underneath the covers and starts running downstairs thinking it's the cops, and she opens the door, and it's a strippergram. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man it's not just one person though it's like three right no no it's four. Oh, four. yeah <laughs> there's a balloon guy there's a flower delivery guy there's a guy i guess is supposed to be some sort of clown he's wearing like this plastic face mask thing it's, it's really kind of weird and then what is obviously a stripper dressed as a nurse <laughs> yes doing a whole you know song and dance bit about him having a cold <laughs> that little rhyme oh so amazing <laughs> <laughs> what's the the rhyming word she's going to restore his pluck because i'm the nurse, <laughs> the nurse that likes, likes to, to. <laughs> slam <laughs> door goes slamming shut yeah it's sort of a motley crew of people there to to try and I guess Buck uh, <laughs> Ferris up or, or I don't know, take care of him. Cheer him up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure how a strippergram would help a guy who's in dire need of like a kidney transplant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I needed a t- kidney transplant, I mean, I'd just say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying you wouldn't want it. I'm, I'm just saying I don't think it would help. <laughs> well, who's asking you? <laughs> nobody, I guess. That's right, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> okay alright so I know what to get you in the event that you need a kidney transplant and you're dying <laughs> and life goals <laughs> hashtag life goals I don't, I don't I, yeah, okay fine what whatever, whatever. <laughs> how is that helping how is it not helping touche Touche, sir. (laughs) So then we find Ferris and the gang next to Lake Michigan. Cameron's leaning down on a barrier wall. Sloan's, you know, trying to be all nurse-like, you know, and looking over him. Hey, you okay? And Ferris goes, this may well be for real. I think Cameron might have blown a, a microchip or two and that he was always a little wound up. <laughs> the scene, Cameron's just not blinking. He's not looking at anything particular. He's just like a dead fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. Cameron's gone kind of completely out of it. 
honestly, I don't really remember a whole lot about this scene. It's not a super memorable scene. I don't remember there being a lot of real dialogue. It's just sort of focusing on how out of it Cameron is. This is where Ferris tends to start coming back to Earth. I mean, you know, he talks about how wound up Cameron is and that how basically this is it for him and Cameron that they'll both have the summer, but they'll both be working. And then, you know, each will go off to college and they'll go their separate ways. Yeah. It mentions Sloan and the fact that she has a whole nother year in high school and he doesn't really know what that means for them. That he was serious when he said he would marry her. It kind of sets. This is the reason Ferris did this, right? Right. He's finally presenting you with the reason he is, you know, kind of more or less put his academic career on the line for this day because the, this was too many absences or whatever. Um, but then, you know, lots of elaborate ways and, and why and why he would put so much effort into trying to game the system and using his $8,000 synthesizer to <laughs> and, and rigging the phone systems up the way he did and and all of that. And it's all basically so that he could have this day with his best friend and his girlfriend because the future is just, just big question mark. There's just a huge unknown. And this is, I'm not going to say it's a common trope in movies. I mean, it does, it is sort of a trope that gets used in a lot of like not another teen movie movies. Well, teenage movies in general. This is a life trope. Right. This is just something people do. And, and it's very much reflecting life. And then eventually life reflecting art, you know, lots of seniors skip towards the end of their senior year and do something similar to what Ferris Bueller does. It's just that sort of, you know, last hurrah with my buddies, you know, before we move on, before I have to do this whole being an adult and figuring out the rest of my life and slash the acknowledgement that, you know, high school really is a sheltered existence. <laughs> You know, as hard as it is sometimes. And he goes on to talk about Cameron, how he's actually worried about Cameron, because Cameron's never been in an actual relationship where, you know, the love that Cameron gives somebody isn't reciprocated. You know, he feels that's a problem because he's going to end up marrying the first woman that he sleeps with. Oh, yeah. And and she's going to treat him like crap. Right. Because of that, because, you know, that woman won't respect somebody who doesn't have respect for himself. And, you know, it's interesting because those two ideas, they seem like because they're in the roughly the same sentence or they're in sentences apart, they seem like they're connected, but they're really not. One is one thing, like he's probably going to marry the first girl he sleeps with. And that's one idea. Right. And there's another idea over here that this person that he's marries is not going to respect him because he doesn't love himself. Right. And you can't have like a reciprocal good relationship kind of a love with another person in a married situation if you don't love yourself. Right. At least, you know, to some extent. <laughs> I don't like this one little bit of advice because of the way it's put together. Because it, it makes it seem like those two ideas are, are wrapped together. They're somehow connected. The fact that he hasn't gotten laid yet is causing him not to love himself, which is – no, the ideas are actually separate. Well, it, he's not saying that because he hasn't gotten laid that, that that'll happen. What he's saying is is that because someone hasn't loved Cameron the way Cameron has loved them, and it's not in a, necessarily a physical way, just in general, that – that's a problem for him. And it's just, it goes towards Cameron's nature. Right. And that's where the problem lies. It's just that when he gets to college and he does end up in a physical relationship, because that's where, you know, usually, you know, people, at least in the 1980s, that's usually when they do tend to have that college experience, that, that physical relationship, that because it happens so late and air quotes late in his life, that that'll be a problem. Right. And that, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying like, like that, that's kind of the message. 
here uh-huh. and i think it gets lost i think or not lost but i think you could easily misinterpret that to being oh first Bueller's is just saying he should have had you know a sexual physical relationship in high school and that'll make his later years okay and i'm like no no that's not what ferris is saying here <laughs> right ferris is is saying cameron's got effectively sort of a disordered love relationship with his parents and that has a a very large possibility to negatively impact his ability to have a relationship with a wife later on. His his parents' relationship is the only true relationship that he knows because he's never been in a relationship. He's loved other people, but it's never been reciprocated. So that's not a relationship. It's a relationship. It's just not a good one. <laughs> but yeah, that, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of the hallmark. That's why I say this movie is about relationships. Right. It's a fairly kind of deep look at Cameron but like I said, I don't like the delivery because I think you can easily misinterpret it to to mean something that it doesn't mean. So I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so after Ferris gets done with his little spiel, you know, Sloan, Sloan suggests that they try something else. She's not very specific, but she says, this isn't working. We should try something else. So then the scene flashes to Ferris and Sloan in a hot tub. Cameron is sitting on a chair that's sitting on a diving board over a pool. <laughs> no real explanation of whose hot tub or pool they're in, but you do get the feeling it's none of theirs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone into somebody else's. And there's like a little boom box next to the, next to the hot tub. And you see Ferris is eating Oreos. <laughs> Ferris's concern always seems a little not 100% genuine because, you know, he's worried about his friend, but he's sitting in the hot tub eating Oreos away from his friend, you know, speaking to him from a distance. Yes. It's sort of like, uh, I'm concerned, but I don't feel like I can do anything about it, so I'm going to continue to have fun. Right. (laughs) Sloane is trying her best to really try to get him to snap out of it, try to nurse him out out of his funk, you know, saying, you know, everybody has freak outs, you know, I've had them, it's okay. You know, why don't you join us, you know? For the first time in what seems like, you know, probably a little while, Cameron looks down at the pool. <laughs> and then and then Ferris and Sloan look at each other. Ferris is like, maybe he's really sick. Maybe he's not just torturing himself. And then at that moment, Cameron just leans forward and falls into the pool. <laughs> and they freak out. They're going, well, what's he doing? And you see Cameron just kind of sink to the bottom of the pool and sit there at the bottom, just looking around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is not the easiest thing to do. No, it's not. You, you actually have to try to pull that one off. <laughs> <laughs> so Ferris hops up out of the hot tub and jumps into the pool, grabs Cameron, brings him up to the to the surface, pulls him off to the side. And Cameron's just laying there limp like he's drowned. And, Come on, buddy, wake up, wake up. And then all of a sudden you see Cameron's eyes open open up <laughs> like he's perfectly fine and ferris is like wait a minute what what is happening here yeah it's almost like sandlot like and it's <laughs> <laughs> right and then cameron puts a smile on his face and <laughs> your first is like what is that and then another classic line ferris bueller you're my hero is what cameron says <laughs> so he pranked him that he was pretending to drown yeah. <laughs> hero <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is everybody wearing in this scene because nobody's wearing like a bathing suit right cameron's in his boxers sloan is in it's not a bathing suit it's more like uh like a nighty yeah okay <laughs> that struck me as weird like <laughs> like okay and i guess ferris isn't wearing 
uh, a swimsuit, you would think it would be just because of how it, it sits on them. Yeah. It's leopard print underwear. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. See, Sloan's clothing struck me as odd in this scene. Because you, you figure, you know, either they would be in swimsuits or they would be in, like, underwear. But I, she's wearing, like, a night dress or something. I, I, okay. I was, I was like, that just always struck me as weird. I don't I don't know what else to say. It's like an undershirt. Okay, I guess. I, I guess there's plenty I don't know about women's clothing. So I, I was going to say, <laughs> neither one of us really be experts. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Solid, solid. <laughs> and it's funny because Cameron punks Ferris, and this is sort of the... You can kind of see it's both like him getting back at Ferris for uh-huh. effectively bringing this down upon him <laughs> this day. Right. But also kind of as like a test, it almost seems like. What would Ferris do if I did this? It is, I think, somewhere between a test and revenge for all of the, uh, not torment, but, you know, all the, the stress yeah. that Ferris has put on him through that day, you know? Which from Cameron's perspective, you know, is torment. Right. <laughs> So the prank is revealed and then they all jump into the pool and are playing and it's happy times again. They're back to normal. So then we flash to the shot, a close-up shot of a police badge, says uh, Sheriff of Shermer, because like many of uh, John Hughes' movie, they take place in the fictional city of Shermer, Illinois. Hmm. I was not aware that was a thing. Well, yeah, because Breakfast Club takes place at Shermer High School. Oh, okay. In fact, and you should know this, it was one of the lines in Dogma. Jay and Silent Bob were trying to find Shermer, Illinois to sell weed because they saw the John Hughes movies and they found out that there was no Shermer, Illinois. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've only really seen Dogma all the way through once. Huh. I'll rewatch other parts of it kind of randomly, but not not my favorite of the uh, I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't my favorite of the um, Kevin Smith movies. So anyways, uh, close-up of the badge, you see a wanted poster, and then you see Jeannie sitting there. Uh, Apparently, Jeannie uh, gets hauled into the police station. You know, it's interesting because you go from this scene with her slamming the door on this, on all this stuff that's been brought for, you know, Ferris, and Uh then the next time we see her is in the police station. Right. And so, (laughs) unlike unlike Jeannie's story up to this point, where you can kind of see all the links in the chain, this one you get to skip. (laughs) You're like, how did she get there <laughs> like i know she called the cops <laughs> but she legitimately called them because there in fact was an intruder <laughs> was an intruder is the operative word yep so we see genie there and then we see there's this young punk cracking his knuckles next to her and it's it's a very young charlie sheen who looks a little drugged out which is a little ironic <laughs> yeah lo and behold charlie sheen playing a future version of Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Apparently, Charlie, in order to play this role correctly, stayed up for 40, 48 hours before acting the scene out in order to give himself the correct drugged out f- feel, which, excellent move, because this he, it comes off well. <laughs> He's sitting there just staring at her. <laughs> yes. Not creepy at all. At all. <laughs> and his first line is, drugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean when you say that word there, there could be a lot of things going on here are you offering which is exactly her response is like she goes thanks no i'm straight and he's like no i meant are you in here for drugs <laughs> yeah so she's like so why are you here it's like i don't know mind your own business <laughs> i'm in here for drugs <laughs> that's why i'm in here <laughs> 
And then Charlie Sheen's character says, you wear too much eye makeup. <laughs> it's, he's just, you know, trying to talk to her and she's just trying to ignore him. And, and he's just saying anything that he can to get her to talk to him. Yeah, it's this very, it's just very teenager conversation. Mm-hmm. Between two people who don't care, the guy who doesn't care that she doesn't want to talk to him, and the girl who just doesn't care. (laughs) 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 So, very awkward, but kind of an interesting conversation. You get to see a little more of Jeannie's personality come out. Because, you know, effectively, Jeannie has been a very one flavor character. Uh She's been a bee (laughs) pretty much the whole time. From the first scene up until now. And so she gets a little more depth here, but not much. Through the the little bit of this, they get to the crux of her story. You know, he says, tell me your story, you know, basically. And she tells him that she was trying to catch her brother ditching school while she was there. Someone broke in. And when she called the cops, the cops said that she made a phony phone call and brought her in. Charlie Sheen's like, well, what do you care if he ditches? And she's like, well, why should he ditch when everybody else goes to school? Sheen is just like, so what? <laughs> yeah, she's just like, so what you're mad about is him being able to skip and not get caught. And so it becomes this almost uh, philosophical thing where this drugged up kid is the one giving the good advice. Yeah. And he tells you, well, maybe you should be less worried about your brother, more worried about you. And at the end of this little this conversation, he goes, you know who you should talk to? <laughs> she goes, if you say Ferris Bueller. <laughs> and he goes, oh, so you know him? Know him. <laughs> and you see her put her hand into a fist. <laughs> Yep, it always comes back to Ferris. (laughs) (laughs) And then we flash to the Ferrari spinning its wheels. Yep, we spin wheels back. So they're trying to run the odometer backwards by driving it in reverse. You see the cinder block on the, the accelerator. You see that the car's on a jack. So the wheel's just spinning in the air. Then we get to another serious moment with the gang. Cameron says, you know, that whole time that I was catatonic, I was just thinking things over. I was meditating. I was coming to realization about my life (laughs) and how he didn't like what he saw, that he didn't like being such a worrisome person, that he's tired of just being nervous and worried about this going bad or that going bad, and that he was just tired of it. He said that today was the best day of his life. <laughs> yeah, and then it was thanks to Ferris. <laughs> yep. You know, he talks about how much he's going to miss his friends next year. Yeah, it's kind of his version of what Ferris had said earlier when Ferris was, you know, when we thought Cameron was catatonic and he was talking to the camera, except Cameron is acting this out with the other people. So instead of talking to the camera about his feelings, he's talking to his friends about his feelings, which. It's something Cameron needs to do mm-hmm. <laughs> for him. <laughs> and so now we come to an interesting moment where Sloan asks Cameron if he saw her changing when they were by the pool. Yep. <laughs> and he doesn't say anything. He just smiles and kind of looks away bashful. That sheepish smile. <laughs> So what's funny about this moment <laughs> is that <laughs> even Ferris, who's sitting right next to Sloan, is kind of chuckling about this. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, really, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody takes any offense, right? Right. Sloan is like, yeah, I'm cool with it. <laughs> even Sloan says, yeah, that's okay. I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. So it's very interesting moment <laughs> and then Cameron gives up like oh, I better go check on the car <laughs> they find out that putting the car in reverse does nothing yes turns out this model was made after that that fix was made to odometers right no bueno on trying to roll it in reverse yep. the only way to fix this one's kiddos is you need a drill 
and some other stuff I'm not going to go into. <laughs> in order to take the odometer out of the dash and run the mileage back. Yeah, not something either Cameron or Ferris probably know how to do. Especially because he uses the word crack it open. I'm like, mm, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no. You, 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 you. And then Cameron goes, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You know what? I'm going to confront my dad and we're going to have to have a talk. I'll take the punishment. I don't care. I'm going to make a stand against my dad. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because he he's taking ownership of the day, right? Uh-huh. In this scene and kind of in the lead up to this scene because he has that hey this was the best day of my life and i i hate being so worrisome and this was great and you know what i'm gonna own it now this day has consequences right for at least me maybe not for you two but it now has consequences for me but you know what i'm gonna own it i'm gonna own this day i'm not gonna just take my parents crap anymore i'm actually gonna stand up for myself and everything this sort of courage turns to rage (laughs) you kind of get this culmination of this of this one thing you know this this day was really good and the thing that was detracting from this day was my worry and my worry was based around my relationship with my parents my relationship with my parents is awful and their relationship is awful and that's bs and then the projection of that backwards going how many days of my life have been ruined because of the fact that our relationship is awful And all of that comes to a head and gets projected onto the car because this car is what Cameron's dad loves, right? This is the thing he spends the most time with. You know, this is the wolf that Cameron's dad feeds, right? That's the old, the old proverb. You have um, two wolves in you, you know, one's love, one's hate, which one's going to win? Well, the one you feed, right? Well, you can, you can expand that proverb to anything in this case, like what gets your attention is what you love. This car is for Cameron a rival in a lot of ways. Like this car gets the love that is rightfully his as a son. And so, you know, smashing time. Uh (laughs) It's clobbering time. Right, he starts kicking (laughs) the crap out of it. Breaks a light bulb, dents the the grill, and just beats the ever-loving crap out of it. And, you know, thankfully doesn't break his own leg from what we could tell. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say if you had done this on a real car, (laughs) especially one of that that vintage that doesn't have crumple zones, (laughs) you're probably going to break a toe, if not more. Right. Because that bumper can't kind of soft i mean granted he kicked it a lot but it it folded pretty pretty handily (laughs) so at the end of the tantrum at the end of talking about it you know saying how he's not gonna be able to hide all the damage he's done to back this up just a little bit for you folks they never took the block off the accelerator and never turned the engine off so that the wheels are still spinning in the air and every time he kicks it they show the jack Right. moving right so, so it's this is a tension building scene where you're where you're seeing he's doing this damage to this car but there's also this bigger thing boiling towards and you know he finally stops kicking you're like oh gosh i'm so glad he didn't kick it one more time you know because <laughs> the thing would have fallen over and then who knows what would have happened and so then she, yeah and then he puts <laughs> the foot on the car and jack falls off and the car goes reeling backwards through the glass back end of the garage and down into this what's basically a ravine <laughs> yeah yeah the only thing that was ra- lacking from that was the the mandatory explosion. explosion. The- <laughs> <laughs> and Ferris and Sloan are looking down at it. Cameron goes, what did I do? <laughs> and Ferris looks back at him and goes, you, you killed the car. <laughs> okay, we've gone from this day has consequences. Well, this day has acceptable consequences. Right, right. I'm going to get yelled at and I'm going to have to maybe spend some time trying to fix this car 
with my dad and may, maybe that'll even buy me some time with my dad to, uh-oh, I destroyed his car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just not shocked like he was before, but he's just like, oh, well, now I'm in it. Now Ferris is showing how good of a friend he is by saying, you know, you know what? You don't want this kind of heat, man. I'll say it was my fault. Your dad hates me anyways. You know, I'll take the heat for it. Yeah. And Cameron, he decides to hold on to the lesson that he learned from all this. and goes, no, this was my fault. I'll take it. I'll deal with it. And Ferris is like, dude, you don't trust me as a person who breaks a lot of rules. You don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you know, and, he, and Cameron, he owns up to it. He matures. He goes, you know what? If I didn't want this to happen, I wouldn't have let you talk me into it. I could have said no. People can say no to the great Ferris Bueller. You can be stopped. <laughs> so I'll take it. And that's it. And he calls his dad by his name. He says, when Morris comes home, he and I will just have a little chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is kind of, if I remember right, this is sort of the end of Cameron's involvement in the movie, right? Is this the last Pretty scene much with Cameron? The, it's the last scene with Cameron, and in, in a few seconds, it'll be just the last scene with uh, Sloan, too. Yep. As we sort of move out of this very serious place that we moved into. Right. Um, back into the kind of ridiculousness that is the world of Ferris Bueller. <laughs> right. So if this were a sitcom, this is the problem solution moment in the movie. All problems are solved and we will finish this on a high note. We finished this scene with a close up on Cameron with a smile on his face in the sense that we started off this this movie with a boy. And now we have a young man ready to go out into the world. Yep. If his dad doesn't kill him first. Right. If his dad doesn't kill him first. <laughs> <laughs> So then we flashed back into what we could probably, you know, easily summarize was the police station with Mom Bueller sitting in front of a, the police officer. And she's like, well, I don't know what's gotten into my daughter. I can't believe she wasn't in school. And I can't believe that she'd make up the story. I don't know what's gotten into her. It was like, uh, you know, well, she had a good scare. <laughs> and, then, and of course, Mom's like, well, we'll be having a long talk with her, you know, because Mom doesn't believe any of this. Mom doesn't believe anything from the older sibling is she older genie's the older sibling no 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 because ferris is a senior but she looks older that doesn't matter (laughs) i'm just saying like i couldn't put that together because jennifer gray looks older than matthew broderick in the scene like it doesn't yeah we talked about that the the guy who plays cameron is like 29 in this movie (laughs) it only further lends the question then why did ferris bueller get a computer as the older sibling and the younger one got a car because the younger one's a girl but the car's the more expensive thing. Yeah. And usually expensive things go to the first child. Not if the first child's a boy. No, normally. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I know. It's kind of, she got a car, I got a computer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because the parents have like zero trust in Jeannie throughout the entire movie. And yet they gave her a car. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like, where did that come from? And, and just everything about her seems to be the more mature one, seems to be the one that's most responsible. It's funny. I'm just talking this out. Now I'm starting to see some of these little holes in the way the story works. I'm like, what the hell? You, you get why I keep bringing her story up like whenever yeah. we talk about her. Like, cause it, like there's, there's more here when you really think about it. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> So mom walks out of the detective's office and she finds Jeannie making out with the drug addict <laughs> that she was talking to. <laughs> yep, Charlie Sheen's getting himself some action there. And, and of course, Jeannie's like, she's nervously laughing because she's embarrassed. And mom's like, well, you're in trouble. Stop laughing. Get going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeannie's like walking out of the room, like, call me. It's, it's kind of like, she doesn't say it, but she says, let's not ruin it with talk. <laughs> and then he asks her her name. She goes, a lot of guys call me Jeannie, but my real name is Shauna. That's right. And that's, <laughs> so I, I put this together from another Family Guy moment. The episode where Brian is dating. Shauna. Right, Shauna. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. and she says i'll see you and does this just a giddy teenager thing about having met a boy yeah very very much not showing her maturity (laughs) (laughs) since we were talking about that so recently now we flip to back to ferris and sloan I'm guessing they're out behind Sloan's house. This looks more like a backyard. It looks like a backyard that's shared with... It's either one in Norma... Yeah, that's one in Norma's house. For a second, I thought it was two houses that shared a yard. <laughs> it's just one enormous house. One enormous house. And then, yeah, it's a sweet end of the day. Oh, we had a great day. You know, do you think Cameron will be okay? Yeah, sure. He'll be fine. For the first time in his life, he'll be just fine. <laughs> and it's just this very sweet moment of two people that realize they're in love with each other. Yeah, it's just kind of our goodbye to, to Sloan. So we had our goodbye to Cameron. Now we're having our goodbye to Sloan. Right. And she's you know, calling her boyfriend out on, on his confidence. Like, you knew exactly what you were doing today. And then they have yet another moment where they kiss all romantic yep it's all romantic so then ferris takes a look at uh, sloan's watch and it's like it's like almost six hours he's like oh crap i gotta get home yeah as he's leaving sloan as he's starting the race she calls after him i love you and he says i love you too and then she kind of just says out loud to herself he's going to marry me he's going to marry me not i'm going to marry him i'm not going to marry him no he's going to marry me yeah that's how confident she is of his love honestly i didn't really read anything into that hilariously (laughs) beyond that they seemed confident you know because earlier you had ferris you know tell us directly that he was serious about marrying her Mm -hmm. and now we have kind of okay she's sort of in line with that right and now come to the final classic scene of him doing the race home as always so many iconic scenes from this movie get used in other movies as tropes as we start the race ferris bueller's running and we see genie and mom bueller in the car mom's you know doing her thing about how she can't believe she had to pick her daughter up the police station and how she ruined a deal with one of her clients this that and the other thing genie's like i'm sorry that's like a sub sub subplot is this deal that she's been trying to close with the germans or whatever i can't remember the vermont the, people she says the vermont people that's right the germ anyways <laughs> the vermont people. i don't know why they're german but anyway <laughs> the vermont people As she's driving you know genie slams on the brakes because she sees someone jump out in front of her car mom's papers go flying so mom's not paying attention and lo and behold who is it it's ferris bueller genie and ferris bueller lock eyes and then all of a sudden you hear the music change and it was like it's like the the starting gun the race has begun <laughs> this gets used almost wholesale mm-hmm. in other movies or you know sometimes it's just a basic trope but sometimes other movies tv shows whatever they just steal this entire scene 
Mm-hmm. Including the music. <laughs> right. We get to see most of the race through Ferris's eyes. He's running through backyards. People are looking at him funny. And he's just, you know, just back and forth. Jeannie's driving like crazy. Mom's yelling her. Slow down. And Jeannie's yelling, I can't drive with you yelling at me like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ferris Bueller's like running through backyards you know he's just scooping up people's drinks and running and people are like what what just happened yeah who are these people how does how is this okay how come nobody has shot him yet and there's this great scene Ferris runs through one backyard and it's two uh, attractive women sunbathing and he runs past them he walks back he walks back nonchalantly and shakes their hand hi I'm Ferris Bueller I'm Ferris Bueller hi and then it takes off again <laughs> does it even show him take off doesn't it like switch scenes and he's he's still there talking to them <laughs> <laughs> right and, and then as Jeannie's driving down the road there's a cop now chasing her because she's speeding and driving like a maniac and, and yeah Jeannie just runs right past dad with the cops right behind her dad's trying to pick something up out of the, the glove compartment when they go right past <laughs> yep and he doesn't see any of this but he's on his way home too so now we know it's a three it's a three-legged race here right like there's three there's three people trying to get and Ferris is trying to be everybody home so he cannot get in trouble <laughs> and then you know eventually genie pulls over to get to get stopped by the cop which at that point you know at this point in the race like this has been going on for a little bit you can tell they've gone for a few blocks if you're just gonna go man just keep going <laughs> yeah let the cop pull up to your driveway and give you the ticket you're getting it anyways <laughs> that's kind of what i was thinking i was like why did she stop then <laughs> it seemed like she she picked a weird time <laughs> dad's turning a corner and he gets stuck behind this old person who's all over the road genie may be speeding but she's doing very controlled dad's stuck behind this old person who's just all over the road <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's like the super stereotypical old lady whose head is like below the dash he <laughs> 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 can't even see her face or even her eyes really and she's just you know swerving lazily across the entire you know he tries to pass her several times and he can he's getting all you can see him like okay you know i'm fine with this and then i'm less fine and i'm less fine <laughs> His dad finally gets around the old lady. He starts going down the road and Ferris Bueller is running down the middle of the road. Not sure why the middle of the road, but he is. And his dad pulls up right beside him Yeah, and is apparently not paying any attention. Like he looks at Ferris from behind, sees him, doesn't realize who it is. <laughs> Ferris finally breaks away and he realizes his dad's right next to him and runs behind the car. And then his dad's like, well, where, where'd that kid go? <laughs> yeah. That whole thing is uh, not believable. The believe <laughs> <button>. <laughs> yeah. Um, pressing the i believe button as hard as i can right now the, the typical 80s sitcom believe button yep and then ferris runs through a house and goes oh smells good runs out to the backyard there's some people on the deck going dinner's ready and then keeps on running and then we get the super slow-mo moment ferris jumps onto this kid's playset in the backyard runs up the slide jumps onto a trampoline and jumps over the hedges and it does it in slow motion kind of like a million dollar man kind of a thing right <laughs> and it's all done to this very iconic music like anybody yes. who hears it goes this is ferris bueller music Ow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he lands on the ground at the same time genie's pulling up into the driveway and genie just runs out of the car it's like she just flies out of the car starts running for the front door and as uh, Ferris Bueller lands in the backyard, dad pulls up to the driveway. Mom gets out. And when I just picked up Jeannie at the police station. He's like, I just don't know what to do with her anymore. And the dad's like, well, <laughs> we should just shoot her. <laughs> <laughs> she got two speeding tickets. I lost a Vermont deal. Let's shoot her. <laughs> Let's shoot her. <laughs> 
And neither of them like laugh or anything. It's just, and the mom's just like, yep, yep, that's what we should do. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so out of nowhere. So Ferris runs to the back door, tries to open it, sees that it's locked. Then he goes to the atypical spot where, where the key is usually hidden under the doormat. Oh, lo and behold, it's not there. And then you see a foot, a tattered foot, fall down in front. And he goes, I got you now. It's Ed Rooney's voice. You know it's Ed Rooney at this point, but his pants are all wild and dirty and mashed up. And he's holding on to the key. And Ed Rooney's like has his triumphant moment, or what he thinks is his triumphant moment. He's like, yeah. I got you now, you little bastard. <laughs> I got you, Ferris. He says, I, I got, got you, you Ferris. But, you know, he's thinking, you little bastard. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because we've more or less forgotten about Ed Bernie. Like, we haven't seen him in quite some time since his car got towed, right? So mm. it's sort of like, well, whatever happened to Ed Bernie? Well, this apparently <laughs> he went back to the house to see if he could catch Ferris coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Jeannie hears Ed Rooney talking to Ferris in the backyard. And Ed Rooney's saying that he's going to keep him in high school for another year from all this, that he's got him right where he wants it, under his close supervision. Now, the, last, the, the extra year is going to be under his close supervision. And it's at that moment Jeannie opens the door and says, Hi. Oh, there you are, Ferris. Oh, can you believe this kid? Thank you, Mr. Rooney, for driving him home. Get upstairs. You're not supposed to be out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rooney has this dumbfound look on his on his face like, wait, what? what, what is going on here <laughs> and we kind of do too because it, it looks like genie has had like a hundred percent about face in roughly five seconds right right because while she was running into the house she was as far as we could tell still intent on trying to bust ferris right and then she goes oh and mr rooney you left your wallet on my kitchen floor she's holding <laughs> his wallet and throws it into the mud and, and yep and his eyes go wide like oh crap you caught me in your house yeah. <laughs> you realize oh it was me that you kicked in the face three times yep and as she throws the wallet she closes the door on him and you hear the dog growl behind him <laughs> it's like uh-huh. and so ferris runs upstairs closes the door takes his jacket off pushes the dummy out of the bed and crawls under the covers just in time. Oh, the only that he forgot about. The synthesizer is still making snoring noises. And his parents are getting closer and closer to the door. He's like, oh crap, what do I gotta do? And he picks up a shoe and he throws it at it and turns off just as the parents are opening the door. <laughs> Unlike other thrown shoes that have been thrown by, say, like, you know, the University of Florida. Oh, it was a baseball. It was a baseball. Sorry. Yeah, it was a baseball. <laughs> I like making thrown shoe jokes, though, because... Honestly, who throws a shoe? <laughs> who throws a shoe? <laughs> so the parents walk in, honey. You know, he's pretending to be asleep. And they, you know, wake him up. Oh, you're still awfully warm. How do you feel? And he's like, 150% better. You know, really still playing it up. <laughs> please, please let me go back to school tomorrow. <laughs> or, I can't miss anymore. Don't make me stay home again. I want to go back to school. I have to graduate in June. Yep. Yeah, his parents are like, oh, don't worry about honey. If you're sick, you're sick. He's like, oh, maybe you're right, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> really hamming it up as hard as he possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, how did you get to be so sweet? And like just years of practice, just laying it on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the amount of sweetness that makes you want to vomit. <laughs> oh, look, I vomited in my mouth. <laughs> I want to say he's got some like 
final words of wisdom, if I remember correctly. Well, again, he goes, I'll say it, I'll say it again. Uh, life comes at you pretty fast. And if you don't look around once in a while, you'll miss it. Yep. Probably should have ended it with a don't try this at home, kids, because <laughs> <laughs> kind of BS he pulled off is basically impossible in real life. <laughs> as we come to the end, we get kind of a bloop, not necessarily a blooper reel, but we get end credit scenes, you know, Ed Rooney walking home on his own. And the school bus pulls up next to him. Bus driver's like, Mr. Rooney, you want to ride? And just this awkward scene of the dean of students getting on the school bus with all these other kids and having to pick a spot. <laughs> They're all look at him. <laughs> this is probably the most awkward scene in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of thing wasn't really done in films yet. Like having a scene being concurrent with the uh, credits. Mm-hmm. So that was that was different. You know, the way they did the credits in this movie was very different and copied by so many people since then. It's almost a normal thing these days to have something happening during the credits, at least the initial roll of credits these days, uh, as well as what comes at the end of the credits. Was there another during the credit scene? You know, it tightens out as the bus is pulling away and then it immediately pops back to inside the, the Bueller home and Ferris looking at the camera going, you're still here? Go on. The movie's over. Go the home. movie's over. Go home. Yeah, that <laughs> was one of the very first end of credit scenes in movies. Um, it may have been the first, if, I, if I'm not um, correct there, but it wasn't the first. It was one of the first. And you see it used more and more often since then. These days, there are certain types of movies where it's just sort of always expected. Superhero movies and some other other types of movies. And that's the uh, end of the movie. First Bueller's Day Off. Definitely vastly more enjoyable than the other movie you guys made us watch. We, <laughs> we appreciate this one. <laughs> Certainly less awkward. <laughs> so let's go to uh, final thoughts of The Fat Man. Well, like you said, better than the other one that we watched. Probably my my second favorite John Hughes movie after um, The Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> I'll be alone. Dancing, you know it, baby. Keep going. Keep going. Just, <laughs> just distract me. <laughs> Troubles and death. Yeah, but it was fun. It was lightweight. It dealt with some issues, but it definitely wasn't the, uh, the center point of the movie. Kind of got a tour of Chicago. Down, 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 you. <laughs> okay, I'll shut up. I'm sorry. <laughs> And such a classic cinema because there's so many. No, I didn't stop today. I wasn't even trying. Did it out of instinct? I'll wait till you're done. I don't think I'm ever gonna be done. Just, just try and finish out. But yeah, so many classic cinema tropes from a 1980s movie. Call my name. Yeah, what can I say? It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. You walk on by. I'm done. Will you call my name? I'm done. As you walk away. All right, fine. <laughs> okay, all right, you done? I guess. I'm sorry. I'm... I just said I was done. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. So, uh, yeah, very iconic movie in a lot of respects, from the Ben Stein Bueller to the run at the end, to the end credit scene, to the various conversations, talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall, doing the checklist in the air. There's just so many things 
about this movie that get used. It's lighthearted enough. It's deep enough to just be a good classic movie. Mm-hmm. I think I'll agree with you. Probably my second favorite John Hughes movie. It's probably in my top five from this era of movie making slash genre. You know, I know you kind of have some other sci-fi movies mixed in this era as well. Unfortunately, I like bad 80s movies. So, right, yeah, <laughs> these kind of movies kind of have a category in my mind. And, and this is one of the better ones. That I liked, which was why it was on the list. Mm-hmm. Some of the movies on our list of things that people could have made us watch were stuff that we knew we would like because we knew we'd seen it before. And some of it was, hey, I've never seen this or I've only seen this once. Right. What would it be like to review it? So definitely out of the two John Hughes movies, this was the vastly better. Vastly. And I get it. I get it that in a lot of ways, 16 Candles was supposed to sort of be art imitating life in high school being all about obsession with sex and everything but uh, it was just so bad and so awkward for such <laughs> so much of the movie but this movie was really good and and like i said before it's a movie about relationships there's a lot of different the relationship between ferris and his sister between uh, ferris and his parents between ferris and cameron between cameron and his parents between cameron and sloan and it's just it's sort of an explanation, an exploration of the kind of relationships that are stereotypical of a teenager just about to graduate high school. That's the thing that really makes this a lasting movie is, you know, even all, all the technology is now old, right? Like you could replace the synthesizer and everything pretty much in Ferris's room that he uses with just one computer, right? <laughs> Doing right. all the work. Everything he does and, and the whole scheme of the day is still going to be the same. Like, uh, it's not like Chicago's Board of Tourism high points have changed <laughs> that much <laughs> over the last 50 years. You still want to go see a Cubs game. You still want to go see the Sears Tower. For me, it was mostly about the pizza, but, you know, that's Chicago for me. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, just an iconic movie and a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to review it with y'all. So this has been another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We're happy you joined us to uh, listen through our four-part take on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I'd like to remind you we do have a Patreon and a website. If you'd like to hang out with us uh, in ways more than just listening to us on the podcast, you can go there and you could even support us and help us pay our editor who makes this all listenable and not just a bunch of random gibberish being shouted at by, by two guys over the phone. Loud noises! Loud noises! I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. Save Pat the Fat Man. Don't you? It's not even the right movie. (laughs) Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Oh, yeah.